The Big Fight Weekend Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is brought to you in part by BetQL. BetQL is your home for info that you need to make yourself a smarter, better. NBA, college basketball, and the NHL, they've got you covered. Just go to BetQL.com, promo code SGP30. That's BetQL.com, promo code SGP30 for 30% off. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks from cappers and bettors, including the crew from the SGPN. Better Than Vegas, it's like YouTube for sports betting. Check out all their free videos at betterthan.vegas. That's betterthan.vegas. We're also brought to you in part by Better Edge. Better Edge is a stock exchange for sports bets, allowing you to buy and sell betting positions like the stock market. The best part is it allows you to bet with no VIG. That's right, no VIG, and it's legal in 40 states. Sign up at betteredge.com, promo code SGP for a free $10 bet. That's B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com, promo code SGP. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, T.J. Reeves. Yes, indeed, we are back in with the latest edition of the fights, the sweet science inside the ropes, getting ready for what will be a very intriguing weekend, at least in Las Vegas, for one, with a huge junior lightweight showdown that is upcoming between two of the top fighters uh, in the world in that division, uh, the top-ranked boxing Vegas show that has Miguel Burchelt and Oscar Valdez in the main event. We're going to talk a lot about that throughout this podcast. Adrian Broner, God help us, is back in the main event of the Showtime PBC card at the Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut. There's even a fight card as well in the UK that we are interested in. If it happens in boxing, we do our best to be all over it on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Glad you found us however you did whether you found us through a social media link, whether you found us through our friends at the Sports Gambling Podcast and their network of shows, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Thank you for doing so. As always, we love to preview going into the weekend. So subscribe and you get the podcast without even having to look for it. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Subscribe away. Podcast comes automatically to you, usually by Friday midday to preview the weekend of fights. And as we like to say, if the fight is big enough, if it if it warrants it, we will come back in the post-fight recap mode as well. So you want to subscribe because then you'll get the brand new one on your phone, your iPad, whatever, whenever there is a new one, including a potential recap podcast by going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, leave us a review. More and more of you are listening. More and more of you have been writing us reviews. More people will find us if you leave us a review, uh, especially through Apple Podcasts. Search for Big Fight Weekend. All right, let me set the table for you. What we have coming up, David Payne, love his insight from England. Uh, The boxing writer, as he's known, his website, boxingwriter.co.uk, What in the world happened to featherweight uh, former IBF champion, one of the more prominent 126-pound fighters in the world, Josh Warrington, not just beaten but knocked out last Saturday night 
by a little-known Mexican fighter named Mauricio Lara. David will have insight on what happened and what it means for Warrington's future. What is the latest with the Jamel Herring uh, versus Carl Frampton fight, which they've been trying to make this fight, it seems like, for years. It's only been months, but they've been trying to make this fight happen. Obviously, Herring with COVID-19, he, he contracted the virus, had to battle uh, back from it, had to stop training, etc. Eventually successfully defended his title in what was an ugly, brawling fight in Las Vegas uh, late in the fall. That set up this matchup with the former two-division uh, world champion Frampton. They were trying to have, I say trying to have the fight in London coming in a couple of weekends, uh, but now that fight is off. We'll get into it with David as to why and where it might end up, and is it really a financial deficient motive is there a lack of money here that's really what's behind why herring frampton is not happening here in february and they're trying to make it happen later in the year so david will be here with that we'll reminisce some about the anniversaries of leon spinks uh and buster douglas both pulling their shocking upsets one in 1978 one 12 years later in 1990 both within days of each other on the calendar in the month of february david will have some quick thoughts on that uh, and we'll also get his thoughts on the Josh Kelly, uh, David Artavizian fight. Uh, that is the main event, welterweight, 12 round showdown, matchroom boxing show in London. David will have thoughts as well. Lest we leave him out, I love the inside of my man, Marquise John, senior writer, bigfightweekend.com. He will be up after David Payne. He'll have much more on the news of the week, including his insight into what's going on with Herring and Frampton. Uh, Marquise, God love him, sat through the entire news conference involving Adrian Broner and his main event fight, uh, which I cannot wait. I'll, I'll get some insight from Marquise about that. And I'm just saying up front here on Big Fight Weekend, how much more attention, notoriety, and money are we going to give this clown? He is a clown at this point who hasn't won a significant fight in over three years. So, he was more of a clown again on Thursday with the things, the outrageous things he was saying. This is a guy that's been in jail last fall involving a sexual assault, a civil suit and jail time and failure to pay the, the plaintiff in the civil suit. He's, he's basically admitted that he's broke. Um, it's a clown show. And, and Marquise, again, uh, he deserves hazard pay for having to sit through that whole press conference. So I'll get more from Marquise. Uh, in our final segment about that. And then he's going to want to talk a bunch about Burchelt and Valdez. Outstanding ESPN top-ranked main event. That's a fight worth talking a lot about, world title fight. We're anxious to talk about that one as well when Marquise gets here as part of the website, as part of BigFightWeekend.com. All right, so lots to get to. Fight previews, news for this week, and much more. Let's get the show rolling. We go first to England, then we come back stateside. David Payne up first, Marquise Johns next. Lots of fight conversation for this weekend in February. Lots of great action in North America, in the UK, and elsewhere, and we are all over it. Let's get going. Indeed, have been looking forward to talking to this man for many reasons. Good to be back with the boxing writer over in the UK. He lets us borrow some of those writings sometimes on BigFightWeekend.com, don't you know? He is David Payne, back with us here on the Big Fight Weekend 
podcast, and we have got much to discuss. First of all, my friend, good to be with you. Good to have a bunch of fights going on here as February goes on and we march to March. We're getting a lot more fights, a lot more intriguing fights over where you are in the UK and Europe, over here in the United States. All of this is good stuff. Good to have you. Great to be on, as always. Um, missing our catch-ups. First time we've spoken, I think, properly since your uh, Super Bowl win. So congratulations on that for you professionally and obviously as a fan. But yeah, lots to talk about. We're, but we're back in the scheme of uh, boxing again. Um, fights from last week and lots to come. And, uh, and of course, the anniversaries that keep cropping up for us all times. Oh, no doubt. We will have to get to Buster Douglas and Leon Spinks and two of the biggest upsets in boxing history for a moment or two with David as we go along. And as I, I, I have been confessing this, for those that cannot see us, I am doing this interview in an official Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl champions hat. Uh, thank you for the well wishes. We are still celebrating that here in this area. That's a different sport, but still uh, a lot of celebration going on. Uh, here where I am. Okay, so they're not celebrating like my segue attempt uh, in the Josh Warrington camp after he was knocked out last week. The former IBF featherweight champ relinquished the belt because he didn't want to be forced into a, a title fight he didn't want. Fought a little-known Mexican Mauricio Lara uh, who ends up stunning him, knocking him down in the fourth round and really dominating the fight from then on and then a ninth-round stoppage. You wrote about this upset Again, for our podcast audience, give us a little more here. It was a shock. Yeah, it's a big shock. Yeah, definitely. Um, for those that don't know Josh Warrington that well, he's an IBF featherweight champion um, and not just a belt holder. Um, a case could be made that he was probably the number one in the division before the interruption of the pandemic. He'd beaten Carl Frampton pretty handily. He'd struggled with Kid Galahad, who was a very slippery opponent. Um, but he was in the form of his life, ostensibly, um, still in his prime at 30, coming off a long layoff, a period of inactivity. I think he was probably the most high-profile fighter that didn't fight at some point in 2020. Um, and I think that came home to roost. But he was a very um, prohibitive favourite. I forget what his exact odds were, but I know that Lara was something like nine, ten to one uh, against. There were him. some books that had it twenty-five to one, yeah. apparently in the UK and online, etc. By the time it got to fight time, and it was a stunner, yeah. David. It was, and, and it's a it's a fight I wrote a couple of times about, both in preview and after the event, um, and doing the research on Lara to see if there was a possibility for this. I kind of built a case based around the fact he'd fought five times and since Warrington had last fought. Um, but it was really a ruse. I'm not going to profess to have been prophetic about it because it was a ruse, the article, to say uh, almost had you because the, the wins were very low-grade wins in Mexico in the main. And when you're watching on YouTube, very slow feet, slow of hands, could punch a little bit, but couldn't knock out guys with 10 losses on their record that he was meant to. So... There wasn't a lot to suggest that Warrington wouldn't be faster, quicker and have a better pedigree. And um, uh, unfortunately, I didn't back the upset, but uh, I, ha I hadn't called it. But he was a real that? long shot. No, who, no question as, I, about that. as I joke with you, who outside of Laura's family had the upset? <laughs> You've joked with me with that same line before. I'm going to use it back with you. Uh, but he had the big punch that night. I guess the real question is, what's the future for Warrington? Is it try to get an immediate rematch at some point, maybe this summer when the cobwebs have cleared, et cetera, and get the stink off of him? 
Uh, what what do you think is Warrington's future after he had so much in front of him with bigger fights and now it's derailed? Well, there's certainly a, a, a redrawing of the lines on the, or, or plans of his career. I mean, uh, it's curious that um, uh, he'd chosen to give up his IBF belt back in January because he was frustrated at his attempts or his promoted manager's attempts to to land the unification fights, the big fights that he wanted. Um, a lot of fighters talk about that, but you never really get the sense that it's genuine. Um, I think with Warrington, he's of, of a competitive spirit and uh, a kind of background personality, if you like, that made you believe he genuinely just wanted those big fights. It was the first thing he said after winning the title, I want unifications, nothing else, that kind of thing. He got convinced that he needed to do his mandatory against Galahad and so on and so forth. Um, but when the Galahad one was put back to him as he needs to fight him next, he was happy to give the belt up because although he would have been a favourite, Galahad is a, an opponent from the Winkenbank gym that produced Junior Witter and Johnny Nelson and Harold Graham. It's very difficult to look good against even in victory. So um, it was a curious thing to do. I think most of us in the boxing world were a bit stunned that he was willing to sacrifice his bargaining chip to try and land the fights. It, it, it was um, certainly unconventional. Um, so he finds himself now in a real no man's land. He's had a crushing defeat. He's 30 years old. He doesn't have a belt. And it was a punishing loss. It wasn't like he got caught cold. It wasn't like he was pulled out injured or anything like that. He, he should have probably been stopped after the fourth, certainly in the fifth when he continued to struggle. And he was allowed to carry on into the ninth and in the end took a very heavy knockout, fractured jaw, injured shoulder and smashed up a fair bit. Um, so that's as an image, as a perception, he's going to take some overcoming. But also the reality is he'll have to look inside himself and determine whether he really wants it enough to get back to it. Um, had he been pulled out after the fourth, it could have been written off as a blip that he got caught. He carried an injury into the fight. It was in activity. Have a quick rematch. Hopefully do much better. But the fact that he was left in there till the ninth, and there's been lots of commentary on that in the British press and lots of interviews with Josh, uh, who was adamant that it, it was his will to carry on and he was lucid and clear between rounds. But having allowed that to happen, he's a lot more damaged goods, both in perception and as a, as a fighter, I think. Um, so it's hard to know where he goes next. It, it may prove, as boxing is that perverse wonderland that we all uh, enjoy being part of and get frustrated by it may be that he's a more attractive proposition for the other champions now that he's been smashed about a bit <laughs> and probably comes cheaper than he was when he had the belt but that's the boxing world for us tj as you know well said from the boxing writer david payne he's at the boxing writer on social media boxingwriter.co.uk is his website and he's always good to pop on here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast and give us great insight from over in the UK. All right, so we had news this week. American WBO World Junior Lightweight Champion Jamel Herring and Carl Frampton, former two-division world champ at Junior Featherweight and Featherweight, speaking of the Featherweight division, they have been trying to fight. It, it's not been five years, but it seems like five years. Okay, in the condensed pandemic times, et cetera, they have been trying to make this fight, the, the pandemic, uh, wiped it away last summer, summer of 2020. Uh, then they were going to each come out of the time off and fight essentially a tune-up fight. But Jamel Herring got COVID-19, couldn't train for a while for his fight. His fight ended up being a sloppy DQ where his opponent was butting him, uh, injured his eye. 
Uh, it was a it was a mess. So now this fight has been delayed into the beginning of 2021, and now it's delayed even further. David, there are questions about Carl Frampton, who previously had a broken hand in a freak accident in a Philadelphia hotel in the United States where a pillar fell on his hand and fractured his hand. We don't know if this is the same hand or not. Frampton released a statement saying, hey, my hands, plural, don't feel right. Both of them. I need to rest up. Well, now we come to find out a couple of other details here as I fill in all the blanks that apparently Jamel Herring had been told there was not going to be any U.S. television for this fight, that top rank boxing, his other co-promoter, had basically said, we're not going to televise this thing on February 27th, that uh, MTK Global, Frank Warren, they, they want too much money, we're not going to pay it. Herring himself had not even been given plane tickets for he, his management team, his trainer to come over to England. Now this fight is not only delayed in the short term, it's apparently delayed, David, maybe into May, and they may be having it in a location where it can have fans. Again, you are closer to the Frampton side of things, the British coverage of this. What do you make of this latest delay? What is it? What does it say to you? Um, well, it's hard to avoid the suspicions, isn't it, that uh, there's a financial motive behind it. Um, I think... What's what's slightly surprising to me is that there isn't American interest in this fight. Um, it's, it's not as though Frampton is a British fighter that's not travelled and done well in America, drawn a crowd. As we know, he's done that uh, successfully. So um, one would have hoped there would have been some sofa interest, some pay-per-view interest um, in this fight. So that's a, that's a disappointment and it's a slight surprise to me uh, in the current climate, given some of the fights that occur on pay-per-view and do very small numbers, but they still put them together. Um, that said, um, of greater concern is um, where Frampton's career is going to me, because again, he's another chap that's now 33 years old. The last two years have been a pretty much a non-event, not entirely his fault, obviously, because of the pandemic, but he really has not gone anywhere really since the Warrington loss in 2018. Um, and you wonder how fresh or, or how much he has left when he, if and when he gets back to this fight. Um, with regards to your, your conspiracy theories, well, perhaps a little bit more than a conspiracy theory, uh, things like that have gone on for a long time. Um, I don't think they're necessarily exclusive to this promoter. Um, but back in the day, there was a, there was a sequence of unfortunate events that occurred around cards from that promoter that um, looked stockpiled with good fights and then either the main event or the chief support would fall out and the inevitable, back in the old days, boxing forums, but now Twitter, would uh, <laughs> would gather around the coven and come to some conclusion that uh, tickets were not selling and they needed to pull some of the cost out of it. Um, but the other thing, of course, is that it may be a bit of everything. Fighters often go into fights with niggles, with injuries, particularly ones like Frampton, as I mentioned, now into his 30s with a reasonably long career behind him. Things start to hurt a bit more. Things, you know, injuries flare up and so on. But they often go through with the fights and we don't hear about it unless they lose. And then we might hear about it. But it may be that things are difficult and then the injury has been there. And why push through when another two or three months could mean a different financial situation. Um, there has been some commentary around the um, 
finances of Queensbury, which is the the name that Frank Warren operates underneath. Um, I've seen some figures floating around the internet in the last few days, actually, about their uh, corporate finances, shall we say, um, which might add some weight to what you're saying. But um, again, I don't think it's a, an issue that's exclusive to him. And I think the great disappointment is that there isn't a market for it in America, because one would presume if there was some small pay-per-view aspect to it in America, the fight may have gone ahead. But I don't want to call into question someone as brave as Frampton's uh, integrity. If he's got an injury, he's got an injury. It's a dangerous sport. He's 33. It's his last chance. Another loss here and the paydays of the future are gone, aren't they? So um, who are we to suggest that he shouldn't have pulled out if he's carrying an injury? But the tinfoil, no tinfoil on my head. So... Um, <laughs> And well, I, I don't know if I put I don't know if I put enough allegedly's in there for you, TJ. You did, you I, tried did well. to, I tried to dance and, around it as carefully as I could. And Herring is 35, and Herring mm -hmm. and Herring is looking for a big payday. This would be the biggest payday of his career, all things being equal, and there's actually money there to pay him. So uh, he's been waiting patiently for the opportunity to fight this fight. I agree with you. I don't know why it can't be in the United States. Uh, if they're having trouble with with having it in the UK, because the premise again was that that Frampton was going to fight in his home country in Ireland with fans when they were trying to have it last summer, that mm -hmm. obviously can't happen right now. So we'll wait to see on that fight. Few moments left with the boxing writer. I, I want to talk to you about a fight Saturday night that's in the UK. But before we do that, it's been a very nostalgic last week here with the anniversaries plural of Leon Spinks. Now the late Leon Spinks upsetting Muhammad Ali. 42 years ago, David Payne, in 1978, that that upset happened uh, where Spinks in just his eighth professional fight defeated the greatest. And then also the 31st anniversary of the greatest upset right up there with Spinks and Ali is Buster Douglas knocking out Mike Tyson in Tokyo, February 1990. You wrote about Spinks in particular. You and I have been nostalgic on this podcast and otherwise about Buster Douglas. What about these anniversaries? Just real quick, a couple of quick thoughts from you. Well, as we both know, uh, and for those of us who might see us at some point, uh, we're gray enough at the temples to uh, have a long history of uh, watching boxing. Neither of us are probably quite old enough to uh, remember the um, Leon Spinks as a live event. So we've, we've learned about that, read about that in retrospect and in hindsight and in through the folklore it's so rich in boxing, it's been passed down to us. Um, but remarkable, and I, I enjoyed wallowing in some uh, nostalgia around that time when, sadly, Leon passed uh, too young at 67. Um, certainly an eventful life. I don't think anyone could describe it in any other way. An Olympic champion, which people sometimes overlook in 1976. Um, and then within two years, yeah, selected. Let's, let's, be, let's be clear about that, selected. Uh, for the Muhammad Ali fight, um, prematurely by any measure, other than Ali could probably fight anybody he liked and draw a crowd. And he was obviously selected on the belief that he would look look fun, be a fun character, um, uh, give it a go, but Ali would be too good even in his dotage because um, they had to be presumably careful with him at that point, although that's a bit of a paradox given some of the hurt they put him into late, you know, beyond this fight. But it didn't work out that way, did it? Spinks was in decent shape, which was not something he managed to do that often in his professional career. And um, he put it on Ali for 15 rounds and Ali tried to do the rope-a-dope uh, uh, tactic he 
he employed all too much after Foreman. Um, but it didn't work. The guy kept coming and there was no late rally. And when he tried, there wasn't enough in the tank to repel a young man. Um, and Spinks won the won the belt, beat Muhammad Ali, the only person to ever take the belt off him in a ring. And um, yeah, remarkable, remarkable story and a remarkable life. Uh, very hectic and um, a roller coaster after 78. And reading some of these into his past interviews about his time as both the champion and the period after when everybody wanted something and everyone wants to be his friend. Um, there's still some messages that echo there today and have echoed in other people's careers, but, um, but Leon Spinks may be the ultimate example of all too much, all too quick and not enough people looking after his best interests. But then Leon had his own ideas about what were his best interests, it would seem. No uh, doubt. And with, and with regards to Tyson Douglas, we've spoken about that many times before. Of course, we can remember that. As um, adolescents, teenagers at that sort of time, um, yeah, that was just an astonishing piece of sports history, really, way beyond the, the, the parameters of boxing, front page news around the world. Tyson, probably the most, one of the most known faces in the world, in any sphere, not just sports, um, just synonymous with so many things. Um, and to those of us who grew up with him as teenagers, a very... Um, formative figure in our in our world um just an assumption that he would be the champion forever i think uh, at the time having won the title again not dissimilar to leon so young um but it all it all unraveled when he met the slick beautiful well-balanced um buster douglas and as i've said when i think we've commented on this before tj the great tragedy of that really is that we never saw that Buster Douglas again either, did we? Not only was it the end of Tyson at his best, but we never saw that Buster Douglas again. Similar to Spinks, all together on the one night, caught the illustrious opponent on the right right night and, um, and yeah, pulled off the, 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 the unbelievable. And it's still barely, barely believable now, isn't it, all these years later? I have enjoyed thoroughly going back and reminiscing and watching all of it again. And even though you know it's coming, it is still riveting stuff to watch. And I and I rewatched the Sphinx upset of Ali. And I do remember, because I'm a little older than you, I was an eight-year-old at the time when the rematch happened 90 million people watched in the United States because it was on live TV with Muhammad Ali. And I vividly remember Ali winning the rematch in New Orleans in the Superdome with over 60,000 fight fans. Many of them could barely even see the ring because the seats are so high up. That was quite a time period. But yes, the Douglas upset of Tyson, I think, even goes beyond that because Tyson was in his prime, was seemingly indestructible. Nobody could last the distance with him, and Douglas just outfought him and then knocked him out. Spinks didn't get a knockout of Ali. Douglas got a knockout uh, of Tyson. And to that point, the American Iconic Magazine, which has basically gone away now, is Sports Illustrated. The Sports Illustrated cover, when Leon Spinks had the upset, had the famous gap tooth Leon, no front teeth, and it simply was one word, Leon, with an exclamation point. And for the Tyson knockout, and I have this somewhere in a box in the Reeves household, I have the Tyson-Douglas upset on the cover of Sports Illustrated. It was simply KO with an exclamation point with the indelible image again of Tyson on all fours with the mouthpiece sideways in the mouth. Just hard to fathom, even even 30 years, 40 years later that these things happen. But I'm just I'm glad that we can reminisce 
about them. And again, David wrote about Leon Spinks as well on his site. We also put it up on bigfightweekend.com. We encourage you to go and read that. He's nostalgic about it. Still the case, Leon and Michael Spinks, the only brothers ever to win a gold medal at an Olympics in boxing in the same Olympics, and the only brothers to ever hold the heavyweight championship ever. Not just the first, but the only ones 40 years later. It's incredible for the Spinks brothers uh, on both of that. Um, very sad for Michael, too. He was very close to his brother, and Michael has been speaking in recent days as well that that uh, it just hurts him greatly that he's that's his big brother, Leon, that's no longer here, that's no longer with us um, after battling cancer. We got to get out of here. I got to get your take, and I got to get your insight because you're great with this, David Payne. There is a British fight this weekend amongst all of the U.S. cards uh, that we're interested in. It's again been a pandemic delayed fight. It is the main event on the DAZN matchroom show involving British fighter Josh Kelly and a, a Russian, uh, David Avanizin. They're fighting for the European welterweight title. Josh Kelly has been inactive for a little bit, but he's undefeated. Give me a little more on, on this because we, we love your insight real quick. Josh Kelly um, is... This is Josh Kelly's moment of truth, perhaps um, without wandering into song lyrics. That's probably um, <laughs> that's probably is the, the tagline, really, for the fight. Uh, he should have fought this Russian fellow a couple of years ago, pulled out, I believe, day before day of the fight, memories um, hazy. So there's a little bit of bad blood because that created a real pause for... Uh, I'm going to try and get my mouth around his uh, surname. I'm not very good with Russian names. Avanizin. Let's go with Avanizin. That's the one. Yeah, that's the one. Um, and and he's been. He's now European champion. He's fought a, a higher standard than Josh Kelly. Uh, he's experienced, tough, and he'll be ready to go in his fights. And Josh Kelly is a very um, highlight, real friendly kind of guy. Um, so you'll see lots of slick skills, little moments, and cameos. Um, can punch, it would seem, but he's um, it's been a bit of a stuttering career and he's not been as busy as uh, he could have been. And um, it will be interesting to see if he can put it all together, just with the theme of the night, so to speak, putting it all together on the night, whether he can prove to be everything that those who like his flashy style believe him to be, or whether it has a, a natural ceiling uh, and the European title and this tough Russian may prove to be that ceiling. Uh, the Russian is actually based in the UK a lot of the time, if not exclusively. I'd have to confirm that. Um, and he's guided by British trainer and manager. So he's very familiar um, face on these shows and he's, um, he'll be well looked after. He's not arriving as the kind of imported fighter. Um, and as we saw in recent, uh, last week's, which we've not touched on, um, Sometimes an imported fighter could do with a little bit of help and protection from some of our officiating. Yes. Um, uh, but so it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a good fight between two differing styles, two guys at different ends of their careers, theoretically, uh, and the real acid test of whether Josh Kelly is, could go on to kind of world level or whether he's, uh, he's sealing with his flash tricks and his fast feet is going to be stuck at this sort of level. So it's a very intriguing fight. Um, did you say it's available in the States under zone? Worth worth checking out. Um, should be a good should be a good contest. Again, that'll be Saturday afternoon, US time, Saturday night, prime time in London. Josh Kelly, David Avanesian 
uh, for that European welterweight version of the championship. I always love talking with you. I know you've got a role and so do we as well. Thank you for making time. And again, uh, we plug away that you can find David's work at boxingwriter.co.uk. From time to time, he lets us uh, repurpose that work on bigfightweekend.com. Follow him as well at The Boxing Writer on Twitter. Always good for comments, commentary, uh, including bemoaning his favorite Nottingham Forest football club from time to time and some some, uh, English football that's going on. Love you for all of that, my friend, including the nostalgia. Thanks for hanging out again on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Enjoy the fights this weekend, David Payne. Love it. Thanks for the time, TJ. Always good to chat to you. And we will continue. Marquise Johns joining me to give us some more on the weekend as we roll on. Stay with us. First, let's talk more about our friends at BetQL with the Super Bowl over and done with. We're turning our attention now to college basketball, the NBA, the NHL. And if you want an inside edge for who the pros are backing, you need to check out BetQL. They've got algorithms that have simulated all kinds of different games, all the different angles, tons of sportsbook offers that they have on the site. Just go to the App Store or the Google Play Store, download the BetQL app, and get the opportunity to go and play. And we're going to make it worth your while because if you enter the promo code SGP30, you'll get 30% off of your first subscription. That promo code again is SGP30 at betql.com. Get the edge. They've got you covered. They've got all the great info over at betql. It's betql.com, promo code SGP30. We are also brought to you in part by Better Than Vegas. It's an all-new, completely free website sharing thousands of handicapping videos. It's like YouTube, but it's for what the DGens only care about. Of course, the DGens only all part of the Sports Gambling Podcast, the network fleet of shows. The best part is you get to watch all the video picks from the Sports Gambling Podcast network crew and what they're posting exclusively over on Better Than Vegas. They cover all sports, the NFL, college football, college basketball nba will be here soon as well if the free video picks aren't enough they're giving away cash one thousand dollars to the handicapper that wins the most units and a thousand dollars to the handicapper that has the most followers make sure you subscribe on the sports gambling podcast network page sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash btv better than vegas btv sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash btv so you don't miss out on any of these videos head over to better than dot vegas that's better than dot vegas to see more we're also brought to you in part by better edge the stock exchange for sports bets that allows you to buy and sell betting positions live like the stock market and the best part is it allows you to bet with no vig since you're buying positions from other sports bettors and there is no house you can play for money in 40 states and they're doing weekly college basketball contests right now we're talking tons of hoops from here on out here on three dog thursday and on wednesday and saturday pay 10 bucks to enter and each user starts with a balance of $1,000 in edge coins to wager on the games. The player with the highest earnings takes the entire pool of entry fees. It's like a battle royal winner take all. Find the link under the competitions tab to get in for just 10 bucks. Sign up today at betteredge.com. Use our promo code SGP. Get that free $10 bet as well. That's B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com. Promo code SGP. 
We're back on Big Fight Weekend now. Here's your host, TJ Reeves. We are rolling along, heading to a weekend that has a Las Vegas show in the top-ranked bubble that will feature uh, Miguel Burchelt, Oscar Valdez, and what is going to be a very intriguing uh, battle for Burchelt's championship this bout. Uh, coming down for the WBC Super Featherweight Championship with Burchelt at 38-1 and with 34 KOs, fighting Oscar Valdez, who is undefeated, 28-0, and 22 knockouts uh, as a former Mexican uh, Olympian uh, who has now been on a roll in, in terms of his professional career. And to help me straighten all of this out, we got that fight in Vegas. We've got the fight card at the Mohegan Sun in Connecticut PBC on Showtime Networks that features Adrian Broner, among others, and including the heavyweights, Valine against Dominic Brazil, uh, including Robert Easter, the former lightweight world champion action on that card. We've got the card in the UK, which we were just talking about to David Payne. Who better to help me break it down than my man, Weak Sauce Radio? Marquise Johns is the senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com. Thank you, my friend. And I know we're anxious to take a look at all these different matchups and fights. We've got a bunch of them this week. Good to be back with you. Absolutely, TJ. Great weekend of fights. Burchelt Valdez is an absolute barn burner. That is must-see boxing. If you haven't, if anyone who has not, for some reason, not seen Miguel Burchelt fight at all whatsoever, if there's one weekend you may want to put aside for that, this is the one. Well, and we should mention, you know, we'll circle back to this fight as, as kind of the big fight that we're previewing at the end of our conversation, you and I, but this one has been delayed. It's been delayed by COVID-19. It has been delayed. Can we have a crowd or not have a crowd? We got all the way to February. They finally decided, let's just have the fight in the bubble. ESPN television audience. That's going to be kind of a theme. I and mean, we've seen this theme a couple of times, and we're going to get to your thoughts on Jamel Herring and Carl Frampton, which has been delayed by COVID-19. We've just had to roll with it, but eventually these fights have been coming around finally when we get past maybe a fighter having COVID-19 or they've waited long enough. Can we have fans or not? So we do get Burchelton Valdez. We hope at the time that we're taping, we hope that it comes off. No more COVID positive tests. It doesn't look like that's the case. And we get what's going to be a pretty good fight. My point just is to you, we've been waiting for this one, and hopefully it's worth the wait. Absolutely, TJ. I think this one is worth the wait. This is one of those fights, TJ, in terms of like people's must-see list on 2020. This was one that was on the board, like maybe even fourth or fifth along the lines next to uh, Taylor Ramirez unification bout. Like this is one of those fights because pretty much it's one of those all-action fights. ESPN has been pushing it hard. It's there's like, you know, an all-Mexican war. It And it, it by all sorts of purposes, TJ, this is going to be set to be one of those fights. And I'm looking forward to it. All right. So we'll get to the Vegas card in a few moments. As I teased earlier in the podcast, uh, again, I, I think I have to buy you some more fish tacos or something when we get together again, as Marquise and I are both in the Tampa Bay area in the state of Florida, because you you sat through the entire news conference uh, working for the site and listening and watching Adrian Broner. Uh, Broner, the former four-division world champion in different weight classes, uh, is now back as the headliner premier boxing champions event on Showtime. Uh, th this is not an exaggeration. Uh, to me, Marquise, this is a sideshow with Adrian Broner at this point. But that's me saying that. Enough of me. You sat through the news conference as a non-title fight. Broner needs a payday, needs income. What is your assessment? That's the main event for Showtime. What's your assessment? That was my thinking on this whole fight card, TJ, was that they need to get Broner in, either back in the ring, either by late January, early February, by the, the uh, Cuyahoga County injunction order, or he was going to be facing more legal trouble with this. And I think just Showtime trying to, you know, give him, give him some leeway, give him a couple of bucks to make sure he can pay his, uh, an attorney or two. 
And of course, the day uh, we're recording this, he comes in at 147. Everything press-wise, TJ, as you well know for this fight against Giovanni Santiago, a little-known uh, undefeated fighter out of Puerto Rico, had him listed at 140. Uh, after the, the press conference, he comes in at 147, uh, contractually obligated, which is starting to make a lot more sense, TJ, because the original <laughs> opponent for this nonsense, Pedro Campa, refused to take this fight. This was Giovanni Santiago comes in, and now we're starting to see why, because maybe the weight at 140 wasn't the plans of the cards all along. Right, so the other guy realized, I'm not fighting at my weight, which is junior welterweight, 140. I'd have to fight Broner as a welterweight. Uh, here in this and again we made mention we'll make mention of it again uh, he's been in jail two different times for being unable to come up with money for the plaintiff in the civil suit that he lost that he never contested and lost an eight hundred thousand dollar judgment in a in a uh, ohio civil court the judge put him in jail not once but twice for contempt of court broner telling the court telling the judge i'm broke i'm cash poor i do not have money uh, and now he's being given this opportunity, and it's much the same way. He's been out of the ring for two years since he lost to Manny Pacquiao, but much the same way when he was absolutely Christmas-gifted that Pacquiao fight. It was not based on merit. It was based on previous stuff two and three years ago that he did, his name, the connections he has, the fact that Al Heyman obviously likes him, blah, blah, blah. And, and Broner treated all of that like a circus, like a sideshow. And he's doing the same thing here. And to me, I'm tired of it. I don't know what your opinion is. I have little to no interest in watching this because it's a clown show. And he's not a legitimate title contender at either 140 or 147. I know Showtime wants a fight. He has a little sizzle. Again, I've said enough. Are you truly interested in this, including uh, Adrian Broder's chances to be back on the landscape, or are you watching because it's like a train wreck and you can't take your eyes off of it? I'm, I'm in for the latter, TJ. I'm, I'm all for seeing the car accident and being the looky-loo saying who got hurt and presently bleeds out the, outside the car window. And my thing with this fight, TJ, when everything framed up for it was for Broner's big comeback, you know, he's going to be the next big thing, yada, yada. He's on, a, he's on the, the road to rebound, road, you know, because every, everybody in boxing likes second and third chances. This may be Broner's, maybe six, but still, whatever the case <laughs> may be, we were looking for him to, to, to uh, shape things up a little bit. And this this is a rocky start, TJ, after a 25-month layoff, uh, coming in already out of weight. He came in, he said in the pressers and everything leading up to it, he had to lose 35 pounds, and they still have to renegotiate the weight clause for this fight. It's not a good look, TJ, and we're, we're seeing how long this lasts. No one knows anything much about Santiago because there's not enough footage on the internet for this guy. But once he meets a person that we all have seen before, it's, it's they'll be the end of this again. Okay, so that's the main event. On that Showtime card again for Saturday night, Mohegan Sun Casino, heavyweight co-feature Otto Valin, who we saw against Tyson Fury. Fury had the nasty cut. Valin lasted the distance. We saw Valin win a fight in the bubble at the Mohegan Sun against Travis Kaufman, where Kaufman had an injured shoulder, and, uh, and Valin beat him up somewhat. Dominic Brazil, again, former top contender in the WBC, but probably most known for the for the blasting one punch KO by Deontay Wilder in May of 2019. And so what, what do you make of this? Uh, Valine from Sweden uh, by way now of New York, where he trains Brazil. What, what do you make of the heavyweight co-feature real quick on Showtime? 
I'm looking forward to seeing this fight, teacher. This is actually pretty much the main fight on this card, outside of when we talked to Robert Easter last week on the podcast. Uh, but th- this co-main event, TJ, it's a classic heavyweight crossroads fight because the last time we all saw Dominic Brazil, he was destroyed Deontay Wilder's right hand. So it, it, one thing that he said in this press conference that I thought was very interesting, TJ, because most of, most when people you know get knocked out like that, they disappear off the map. And Dominic Brazil, for all intents and purposes, for like the six months after that fight, disappeared off the map but the one thing he mentioned in the press conference he was saying was that he he was still back in the gym working back after it about 10 days because he didn't want to dwell on it well, i believe some of that it's hard to avoid the knockout of the year in 2019 tj as you well know the, the tape don't lie as they say in the business yeah. so i'm looking forward to seeing how he looks uh just in this get back because he believe it or not tj uh, despite him being destroyed in that one round by wilder that first minute of that fight against wilder he had a few punches put together a little bit and, and then he got caught. With Waleen, we've we seen him face Travis Kaufman, as you mentioned before. He stopped him in, in the sixth round in one of these fight spirit shows to, be, to begin late of last year in the pandemic. Kaufman had no shot for the most part, even, even with the shoulder in or out of his arm at that point. But it'll be interesting to see how Waleen uh, uses this fight because he, he's trying to make this fight to get back into that title picture again for another fight with like Tyson Fury or, you know, the top heavyweights in the, in the building. So this is one of those fights that's going to put either one of those guys back into that driver's seat. I don't honestly believe he has a realistic chance of getting in front of Fury or anybody else in a title fight anytime in 2021 and maybe not for good. Mm-hmm. But, hey, we've had him on the podcast, and he's he's trying to make a, a go of it. Valine is the favorite for our friends at Sports Gambling Podcast. These are two heavyweights, a non-title, 10-round fight. Valine minus 275. Brazil uh, plus 215 if you want to lean that way towards the underdog. They don't list an under-over in rounds. I will say from TJ and Marquise in Big Fight Weekend, I will put the under over at seven and a half rounds. Is this one going above that? Do you think, Valine in Brazil, might this be a distance fight? No, TJ, these guys are aiming for the for the fences in this one, and the sooner the better one you rewind these guys. I think taking the under the, under of eight, seven and a half rounds is a, is a short thing on that. All right, so look for that, uh, he says. And again, Robert Easter is fighting a guy that he fought in the amateurs as we talked to him uh, last week. Um, in Ryan Martin, and so they they knew each other from the amateur days back what uh 2012, back eight or nine years yeah. ago. And Easter is the former lightweight world champion who's now moved up. Easter minus 800 in the fight with Ryan Martin. Um, Ryan Martin training, by the way, not far from where we are in Plant City, Florida. They have the best strawberries you can imagine in Plant City, Florida, and it's the strawberry festival every February. Uh, we'll see if, uh, if Ryan Martin, uh, fights as good as plant city strawberries taste in this yeah. fight with Robert Easter. Can he hang in? Uh, that will, that will remain to be seen. Uh, all right. So, uh, it, real quick, um, David Payne was talking about the fight card in England. We'll kind of go chronologically. This is in the daytime in the United States, primetime in London, Josh Kelly in the main event as he was laying it out, a welterweight contender that's unbeaten. They've been trying to make this fight happen. He and David uh, and they've been trying to make this fight happen for a couple of years. As David yeah. explained, it was canceled, Marquise, on like the day of the fight back a couple of years ago when suddenly Kelly, for illness or whatever, pulled out on the day of the fight. They had rescheduled this fight for last year during uh, either March or April, and it didn't happen because of the COVID-19 pandemic shutdown. Now it is on the docket for February. Do you care a little bit, somewhat here on this one? It's a 12-round European uh, continental belt that's up for grabs, European Commonwealth title. 
that Arvizian has. Do you care a little bit about this uh, matchroom main event on DAZN Saturday afternoon? What about it, Marquise? Uh, as a guy from being living in the States, TJ, we shouldn't care too much about this fight. And I'm on the fence somewhat about it, honestly. The one thing about that fight, I do think that's interesting about this because they've been playing this fight, honestly, TJ, for a, a solid two and a half years. Like, I'm I'm still sitting on old emails of when they just was first pulled out back in the day, like 2019. <laughs> and they've been trying to hold this for a while. And the one thing about this fight, TJ, that I thought was going to be interesting is that I think they're trying to pair this fight up with the winner of this one winning the regional British title. To sometimes the, I think the next guy up in, in welterweights, but if they're planning it correctly, would, would more than likely face either uh, Nigel Ben's son, uh, Connor Ben, uh, at some point down the line, and to uh, solidify that on the domestic area in the UK. But on that card itself, TJ as a whole, the card stinks. The only thing I would care about on that fight that I want to recommend everyone to is there's a heavyweight, uh, uh, highly decorated amateur Johnny Fisher on the undercard making his pro debut. And if there's a heavyweight involved, he's probably signed a match him if he's in Britain. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that's going to turn out with on his as he makes his way because he's been sparring with the fine folks. Actually, it was been with uh, Daniel Dubois was the name he's been mentioned sparring with. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he how he shapes out with. And Dubois was the English heavyweight uh, that was unbeaten until Joe Joyce gotcha. uh, stopped him back in what December. And so Johnny Fisher is on that card uh, as well. And what is it? Uh, Florian Marku, you wrote about him on BigFightWeekend.com, yes. another welterweight that's on the card. So you got welterweights, junior welterweights uh, on this card from DAZN in uh, London coming on Saturday afternoon, U.S. time, Saturday night, prime time in London. Again, that's the voice of Marquise John, senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com. Uh, we're covering the fight cards for this weekend and why we would be interested. All right, the top-ranked card in Vegas seems, at least on paper, to be the strongest one. Uh, let's talk about the co-feature that includes uh, unbeaten fighter from Stockton, California, Gabe Flores, Gabriel Flores Jr., in action in a scheduled 10-round junior lightweight bout. These are 130-pounders. For a lot of our uh, audience, they may know a little bit about Gabriel Flores. He's a guy that has been featured on some of these top-ranked shows. Tell me more. How intrigued are you by the co-feature fight Saturday night in Vegas? Pretty good, TJ. It's a, it's a big step up for G-Squad Nation uh, out in Stockton uh, trying to, to uh, stay undefeated as well as take a big leap in competition and then step up fight against Jason Velez. The one thing with with uh, with Flores, TJ, uh, he's been active pretty much during these bubble shows uh, for the most part. He's fought already in the bubble as well. And the one thing as well, keeping up with, with Flores, is as he comes up the ranks at 130, he, 130's going to be, for top rank at some point, a very stacked division where they're going to find something to do with this WBO belt that's being pretty much held hostage by this Jamel Harry and Carl Frampton fight because he has the belt currently. He's still, they still have a mandatory in Shakira Stevenson. They still have a Jermaine Nakilfia out in Africa, the guy from Ghana that sells up a fight coming up to challenge for this title at some point. And sooner or later, if way Flores is moving up, he's going to be on that list as well. So if Flores wins impressively, logic, and there's no logic in boxing, but we try no, to connect the dots. If Flores wins, that's the co-feature of Burchelt and Valdez. Does he have a shot at the winner, particularly if it's Burchelt who would defend his title, I think, for the fourth or fifth time? Does Flores have a shot at the WBC version of the 130-pound title? He wins, Burchelt wins. What are you thinking? I'm thinking either TJ Hill will be either, either closer to it or he'll be at least in that, that phase where they put him in one of those, those fancy title eliminator, double eliminator, double Dutch kind of uh, fights beforehand. So he's, 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 on, he's on the precipice pretty much, as they say. All right, we'll get to Burchelt and Valdez and breaking the fight down and get a prediction from you in a second. You mentioned Jamel Herring, the Carl Frampton fight, much delayed, various reasons. We've been over that in the podcast. What is your opinion? I love these uh, loaded open-ended questions. What, what in the name 
of of uh, of the sweet science is going on here? What what do you believe is going on here? Because is it Frampton's hands that really hurt? Did they not have the money? What what is up? Why this fight is not happening next weekend? I find it very peculiar, TJ, that uh, out of all the things that Carl Frampton has to have hurt this go around this time around, it's ironically the hand again that he injured in sparring again. I mean, you're not, we all can't dispute or, or speculate if he really injured his hand or not. But what we can speculate on, TJ, is the fact that uh, Rafael posted, posted yesterday a story that I think Herring laid out and his team laid out, essentially saying that uh, Frank Warren wasn't going to fit the bill of this fight card. And now that uh, MTGA, the advisory committee, has taken over the fight card, they're going to they're gonna put this on with ESPN and they're going to put it on uh, Fight Island in Saudi Arabia like, like, like everybody else does. So essentially, TJ, and the reason why it's in Saudi Arabia, and for those who haven't connected the dots yet, uh, both guys are advised by uh, MTK Global, Mac the Knife Incorporated, uh, which is pretty much stationed in uh, Dubai, Saudi Arabia, TJ. That's why a lot of these fights are being held in Saudi Arabia, because there's the in-between. And there's a couple of other factors. One of them is they're going to wait a couple of months and see if they can have fans for some kind of live gate. And obviously, it's more advantageous for them to build it up and promote it. This fight was not even really being promoted and did not have a deal. We talked about this with David. The top-ranked people apparently came to Jamel Herring. This was on Dan Rafael's reporting. He wrote it for BoxingScene.com. The top-ranked people who have been uh, co-promoting Jamel Herring were telling him as recently as, as uh, Tuesday of this week, this fight is not going to be on in the United States. We have no deal with Frank Warren and MTK Global to show the fight. They want too much money. And Jamel Herring's got to be sitting back going, I am a world champion in the United States who's been fighting on U.S. TV with top rank, and now my fight's not even going to be on here? I mean, and, and, and then you compound that with he didn't even have plane tickets for he, his management team, whoever else, his entourage to come over, and it's a week and a half before the fight. That, that says to me this is dubious that this was and, – and you've dealt with Jamel Herring. He – he can be a very honest guy, and Herring was even putting it out on social media earlier in the week. I'm hearing that the fight is up in the air and maybe not even going to happen. I feel bad for that part of it. What are your thoughts? I think it's a rough shake, TJ, and I think that kind of it's kind of like it's delaying this fight for what seems to be an eternity now. We've been hearing about this Frampton-Herring fight at least since Frampton signed with Top Ring, and he signed with Top Ring, TJ, around the same time they were still arguing about that Deontay Wilder-Tyson Fury rematch back in, like, February of that point, where it's like... It's it's a big it's a big circle, TJ, and it's kind of monotonous. And I, I will admit, Herring hinted on his Instagram, TJ, the great line. I heard I heard something that this fight may be canceled, but don't come blaming it on me. Well, <laughs> we can't blame it on him for this. He didn't catch COVID no. or anything. So well, it's- and and he's 35 years old, and we've yeah. talked about this before. Just one more time, this is a large payday for him, or at least that's what he was expecting. Um, and and uh, David was talking about for Frampton, it's a real crossroads here because he lost to Josh Warrington. He's only had one so-so fight in 2020, the hand injury we were talking about. And if Jamel Herring schools him and beats him, that's basically it for Carl Frampton on the biggest stage. So that's kind of the backdrop, but these guys should have already fought. That's the point. They should be fighting. And now it's delayed again till at least May. Uh, we will see. And interesting, that segues back to Burchelt and Valdez in the same division, WBC version of the 130-pound title on the line Saturday night. Again, 34-1 and is the record for Burchelt, 28-0 for Valdez. On paper, this looks like a fantastic matchup. Size it up for us real quick, Marquise. 
the the big takeaway I'm looking forward to on this uh, Burchelt of Valdez matchup, TJ, is the fact that their their styles are two different, completely different fighters, and that's going to make as they, as they say in the business, you know, uh, styles make fights, and this is one of those fights. One the big thing with Valdez is that he's been he's he mentioned all week long he's going to be looking to counter punch him during this fight because Belcher's just been known to uh, pretty much un- unload and start in, in, with early starts. We'll see if that helps out on the, on the back end, TJ, because uh, Valdez has been training for the last two years with Eddie Reynoso for this fight because they won this fight a long time ago. So much Eddie so Eddie Reynoso that- of Canelo Alvarez fame, not just any name there that's been working with Valdez, right? That's correct. Yeah, him as well. So, and he, they've been preparing all of this up and down for Bill Childers, and they they see something in Burchell's defense that he mentioned during these pre these pre fight uh, conferences that he wants to exploit on Saturday. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing how he's going to take advantage of that, only because the way Burchell just frozen so much volume, TJ. It's really crazy. Yeah, both of these guys throw a lot of punches. Uh, again, for our friends at Sports Gambling Podcast at sportsgamblingpodcast.com, Burchelt is minus two ninety as the favorite, roughly three to one. Uh, Oscar Valdez plus 230 as the underdog. How tasty is that underdog, Oscar Valdez? What do you think? It's a pretty live dog, TJ. In fact, if I was put any money on it, I'd probably have to go that way with it. Because if, if there's one kind of fight that could actually pull off the upset like this, it's that one with Valdez and Brooke Sheldon. Honestly, TJ, I don't think Valdez is a three to one underdog. That's kind of fair. That's that's kind of unfair. All right. So Oscar Valdez goes for the upset. Uh, again, Shakur Stevenson's name is lurking as well, although we kept hearing, and I know you talked to Jamel Herring about this, that Shakur may be with Jamel Herring for a WBO version of the title. But clearly they're top-ranked fighters, like you were talking about earlier in the conversation yeah. uh, here, where they could pair Shakur Stevenson with Burchelt if they wanted to, too. Uh, later on in the year, uh, Shakur, the former U.S. Olympian, undefeated, former 122-pound world champ for the WBO, We'll see how it goes. And again, that's the main event. Burchelt Valdez, ESPN, top-ranked boxing, Las Vegas, Saturday night, probably around 11 Eastern time, Saturday night. Um, And we're looking forward to all of these fights, whether it is, again, in Vegas or in the Mohegan Sun Casino in uh, Connecticut or in London at the Wembley Arena with the DAZN Matchroom Boxing Show that'll be Saturday afternoon, U.S. time. Arkees will be writing all about it with the previews. Adrian Broner. You're on Broner Watch, right, on BigFightWeekend.com. Tell them more. Absolutely, TJ. Broner Watch is alive in effect on Big Fight Weekend at BigFightWeekend.com. Uh, we'll have the updates for you, any news, reviews, and uh, uh, previews leading up to the fights this weekend. Hopefully, we'll find out what's going on with uh, Teofimo Lopez and that IBF purse bid, which is being held hostage till next week, and see if there's any money being sponsored to that. There's a lot of bizarre speculation, TJ, that someone's going to outbid Top Ring for this IBF fight, and I just don't see it happening. But that it, we'll see if anything happens with otherwise. But either way, you can keep up with it at Big fightweekend.com sure george cambosis is the australian number one mandatory contender for the ibf uh, unless unless lopez doesn't want the ibf belt anymore and wants to go fight somebody else the ibf has ordered that fight to either be made or go to purse bid uh it's going to purse bid and and i know i i, I put this out there on social media that Flores apparently is balking at making just over a million dollars for a fight that more than likely would be fought in the U.S. with no fans during the pandemic here, no live gate. And I'm sorry, if you're not a hardcore boxing fan, Teofimo Lopez, George Cambosis doesn't do anything, doesn't move the needle. So how much money do you think is out there for you to make two and a half, three million, four million to fight a guy? I mean, it's not like a Lomachenko rematch for Teofimo Lopez. So... 
we'll see what the purse bid is and how furious Lopez gets or not and how soon he gets back in the ring or not for that. And you'll be all over it. And again, we love the nostalgia stuff. We've been talking during the podcast about Buster Douglas and Leon Spinks. Let me make one correction from last week because we strive to get this correct because I did look it back up. The CBS broadcast of Spinks Ali one was a live midweek broadcast. Oh. How about this? It was on a Wednesday night from midweek Wednesday night uh, from Las Vegas with Brent Musburger and f- the fight doctor, Ferdy Pacheco, on the call. Wow. Uh, CBS bid $4 million at that time to be able to show that fight live. Uh, and obviously, Spinks pulled the upset of upsets, o- only probably second at that time to Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali himself, beating Sonny Liston uh, that night. And then ABC, the television network in the U.S., outbid CBS for the rematch, speaking of outbidding, for $5 million. And 90 million people watched the rematch in September of that year. As I was joking with David Payne, I was a little guy. You were not yet on the planet, Marquise. I was a little guy, and I remember watching parts of that fight where Ali recaptured the title with Howard Cosell on the call. 90 million people watching that. Wow. It's incredible. I mean, we, we do well to get 900,000 people now to watch a title fight. And, and really, if it's a really good fight on U.S. cable TV or even over the air on Fox with the PBC on Fox, if you can get a couple of million people to watch, yeah. 90 million 90 people million. to watch the greatest is something else. I don't think we're going to get 90 million people to watch boxing all year round, TJ. Yeah, That's just no. me being honest. <laughs> but, uh, you, could, you could put a show together with – Fury Wilder with Canelo as the co-feature and name name two or three other ones all on the same card on free TV, and it probably wouldn't get it, 9 million. It wouldn't get yeah. one-tenth of it. But, hey, we'll take what we can get right now. Yeah. Uh, there is going to be interesting action. And one more time, Burchelt Valdez, we believe, is going to be the fight of the weekend and worth tuning in for. Pump it one more time. Absolutely, TJ. If you're, if you're watching fights this weekend, guys, check out Burchell Valdez on the ESPN and ESPN Family Networks. Or actually, for those who don't have ESPN, TJ, you, you can watch it on the ESPN app. They're making an app available. They're making the app useful for once, TJ. You can actually watch it there for as well for four ninety five dollars a month, whatever the hell it is this week for uh, for uh, ESPN+. Plus. But you can watch that fight there. I highly recommend that fight, TJ, as well on the undercard on the because it starts at 630. Uh, heavy, heavyweight action again. Sonny Koto is in action. Undefeated prospect that we're keeping an eye out for. He's, he's interesting to watch as well. But no, this, this to fight the CTJ, definitely uh, Burchell Valdez. Oh, and we saw that uh, Jared Big Baby, real Big Baby Anderson, as he calls himself. He's a heavyweight out of Toledo, Ohio. He scored a big knockout. Mm-hmm. We wrote on BigFightWeekend.com, there's some interesting young undefeated heavyweights. Tony Yoka is in action soon. Uh, the Frenchman who won the Olympic gold medal in 2016, he's unbeaten now as a professional, fighting over in Europe. Uh, there's two or three other interesting, intriguing young heavyweights. What is it? Guido Valiani, I believe is how you say the name. That's it. Uh, out of Italy, who's an unbeaten former Italian Olympian in the 2016 Olympics. He's been training some in the United States as well. So, I mean, there's some there's some fighters and some names uh, in the heavyweight ranks of the of the younger variety of what is it? Philip Hergovic, the Croatian who's yep. undefeated, uh, like 15 and 0, something like that. Yeah. Something special about the heavyweights and the young heavyweights, and they may be getting together, mixing it up, and fighting each other here 2021-2022. We'll keep an eye on that with all the names. Marquise, great stuff. Thank you. One more time, plug away for BigFightWeekend.com at the end of the podcast here. 
Absolutely, TJ. Bigfightweekend.com is the website to keep an eye out for any news, reviews, anything that's going on in the world of sports and boxing over the weekend. Follow me on Twitter, by the way. Fun follow. I'll follow back at Weeksauce Radio. Still pound for pound, TJ, the best Twitter handle in the business. I challenge anybody in any time on that. But follow me there, there as well. All right, again, uh, check him out there. Follow us at Big Fight Weekend on Twitter. Find the Big Fight Weekend Facebook page uh, as well. We're constantly writing about all these fights in the preview mode, the recap mode. Lots of news going on. Canelo fighting next weekend. We got all kinds of news on that. Recaps, though, of the fights this weekend and much more. My thanks also to David Payne, the boxing writer over in the UK. Follow him at the boxing writer. He'll have some thoughts, I'm sure, on that Josh Kelly main event. Uh, from Matchroom Boxing that's coming in London on Saturday. For now, we are done. Again, subscribe to this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Thank you for finding us through a social media link, sportsgamblingpodcast.com and those guys. For Marquise Johns, I'm TJ Reeves. We love talking up boxing on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Bye.